Hello and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy. What are we now? The Tiger Globetrotters? Is that what we're called these days, according to some of the commentators? Um, after another win, I can, I can really get used to this uh, doing podcasts after wins. I've only had to put up with a very, very few losses in our time doing this, which is good. Uh, a big episode tonight, lots to go through, so we'll introduce the guest straight away. Our first guest is a, a return guest, TJASTA. Welcome to you. Uh, oh, hi, gang. How are we? Going well. And uh, our second guest is it's his first time on the show, Limo. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me, mate. No drums at all. Big game against the Crows on Friday night. Richmond 15-13-103 defeated Adelaide 8-8-56 by 47 points. Were you both in the same boat as me, just praying someone would kick that one last point to make it 48? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I probably yeah, two... wasn't aware of it at the time, but um, afterwards, yeah, it was a bit of a shame not to get the uh, the job done. We only had two chances to kick it behind, and he fluffed them both. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> Come on, Daniel. <laughs> it just it would have it would have just really capped the night off. Uh, it was still a good night. <laughs> that was a very good night. What were your thoughts on the game, uh, Limo? Uh, yeah, I went um, on Friday night. Um, Obviously, I, th- I think that we, we have periods throughout the match where we're just moving the ball so well. Um, I think that we all just need to, you know, we're talking about premierships and things like that, but we all just need to take a step back and just enjoy how good uh, the brand of football we're playing is at the minute. Um, just some of the, the, the touches through the midfield and the ease that we were just breaking away from packs was just a, a joy to watch. Yeah, they're pretty slick. And uh, TJ, what about yourself? Did you get along to the game? Um, no, I was. Um, I just came home from holidays, so I didn't want to go anywhere. But no, I was really impressed by, especially our depth, because we had Broad who played Lostone's role very well. We had um, Moore that came in and looked pretty good. Um, Higgins been playing more middle, and he's been getting a lot of the ball. So I think everything's coming up well. I was playing once the um, commentators mentioned the Hull and Globe trials. I didn't get out. <laughs> The um, Louis Armstrong and started playing the music over the, <laughs> the speakers. That could be the, the new version. Yeah, they got the everything sounds better with Titanic music. That could be the new version. Yeah, yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if someone on the site um, can uh, do an edit, I'm sure that uh, we'd get a few laughs out of that. Yeah, I reckon we should get uh, Hate involved. He's our resident GIF man. I'm sure he could put together a bit of a highlights package with that music over the top. That'd be pretty good. I thought um, Go Tigers 2015's taken over as of recently, hasn't he? Oh, has he? Okay. Oh, whoever yeah. wants to put their hand up, that, that would be some great material to chuck on the main board. Yeah, I had a, had a bit of a look through that thread the other day. I hadn't um, really checked it out at all this year, so I was about 30 pages back. And, um, <laughs> geez, it was good having a read through that and just seeing all the gifts. They were awesome. So keep it up to the guys that keep um, updating that, that thread. Yeah, there's some quality stuff there. Uh, TJ, I want to ask you about our goal kickers. Uh, it was interesting to note that these players all kick two goals. Dusty, Moore, Rewalt, Caddy, Edwards and Rioli. That's a big amount of uh, multiple goal kickers compared to what we're used to seeing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's what good teams do. They share it about. And um, it's working. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's working. Um, and Liam, what about Kane Lambert? How did you view his game? He was huge. He's gone to another level this season um, for a guy who's come in, um, you know, done the hard yards in the VFL and 
couldn't get a look in at um, every other club in the comp and then had to battle his way in um, for a list spot first of all and then to get a game through knocking down the door and some good form in the VFL. Um, I just think that, you know, value for money that we've got from him is unreal. And um, he's the kind of guy that if he went out of the side, we'd, we'd really miss him. Um, he's having a great year. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's gotten better dramatically since Prestia come back. You know, it's only been a couple of weeks, but that addition of Prestia has just really freed him up to do whatever he wants virtually. Completely agree. And you can say the same about um, about Martin and Koch last year um, when Prestia came into the side. Um, he just makes those guys around him better. The other one, uh, TJ, Jaden Short. I mean, how good was his game on the weekend? The metres gain that he accumulates just with his run and carry and the penetration on his kicks, he's become a real weapon. Yeah, it's just an average weekend for him now, isn't it? Getting 25 in a goal. Um, it's um, it's going to be interesting, especially days out of contract. Although I think we're getting to that later, aren't we? Yeah, but he. I mean, the, the threads have been sort of running hot today with him. Uh, the fact he's not signed up and apparently he rejected an initial offer, so he'd be one we definitely need to try and secure pretty quickly, I imagine. He's actually um, he's he's second in the comp for metres gained at the minute, which is unreal um, considering yeah, Seedsman's number one, um, and then when you look at some of the other names that he's above, um, Heath Shaw, Nathan Wilson, Cade Simpson. Um, you know, just guys that have basically made careers out of running it out of the back line and being stars of the game. Um, the fact that he's in the mix with them is unreal. And, and to be second in the comp for that stat is um, amazing. Um, I thought that he was actually really unlucky last year to get dropped. He was having a, a really good year before that, and then he just couldn't get back into the side in the back half of the year. So, yeah, I'm loving his work. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when Basher went out, I mean, he was he's always been our go-to and link-up guy uh, who we give the ball to. When he went out, there was a lot of, I suppose, panic, I guess, as to who's going to step up and fulfil that role and will we get the same kind of output that we got with Basher? Um, but he's equaled or better the, the kind of drive and penetration that Basher provides. So with Hawley potentially coming back in this week, it's going to be really interesting to see how they work in tandem on opposite sides. Yeah, and what does that do to, like... Um... Alice, who's been playing halfback, what does it do to all that? Vostone, both of these guys have all been playing on the halfback flank. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we're just going to make sure they keep that team balance. And what about Shane Edwards? He played another another absolute blinder. He is legitimately two seconds ahead of everyone else on that field. Oh, those handballs. <laughs> those goddamn handballs. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had 28 touches on the weekend um, and kicked two goals. If we can find a way to get him that 28, 30 touches a week, instead, you know, he sort of only gets around the 20 mark most rounds. If we can get him an extra 10 touches a game, we'll be a much better side because he just he never you know, he just uses it the right way every single time. Um, and as you said, he's he's a step above everyone else. Um, he doesn't just pick the easy option. He He's breaking the play apart every time he touches the ball. Yeah, he's also leading the league in um, goal assists. As I was about the to ask that. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, he must be right up there. He, every time he touches it, like I said, something just seems to happen. I'm not sure which one of our players said it after the game on the weekend, but they alluded to the fact that he's always been that far ahead, but our system in previous years wasn't really allowing him to 
be used as to his potential whereas now the system we're using allows him to shine even more than what he already was yeah for sure for sure um just that playing that more attacking um get a free-flowing style has definitely helped his game and what did you make of Corey Ellis's game back? I didn't mind it personally, but it'd be interesting to see what you both thought of, of his game on the on Friday night. Well, he had that golden moment when um, Tex stuffed up the goal, so that's a tick for me. <laughs> um, look, I feel like we could be doing a bit more to, to actually feed him a few touches. Um, I think he only had 13-odd touches, um, which obviously isn't great. But he didn't do anything wrong with those touches. Um, it was disappointing that most of them were handballs. Um, I feel like if we could sort of get some of the senior players to actually be actively looking for him um, on the outside of packs um, and trying to feed him the ball a bit more and just to get him get his confidence up a little bit because he just looks like the kind of guy who he just doesn't really have much confidence. Um, but if anyone's seen him play VFL, he, he, he's a level above there. Um, so just finding that transition to, to step up a gear. Um, I, I think that he's definitely, um, I'd keep him on the list for next year. And um, I'd also like to see us give him a run of three or four games in the ones, even if he does have that a quiet week, um, just to adjust to the, the pace and the tempo. Yeah, um, will he, he get that Will he get that um, opportunity this week now with the um, goat out for a couple of weeks? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I'd keep him in, even with even if it weren't for the injuries that we'd had. I would have liked to have seen him um, just get a run of games, um, just to, yeah, just to see if he can adjust. Like you said, he doesn't waste the possessions though. So even though they were handballs, kind of similar to um, I suppose what Conker was doing on the inside, just those nice releasing handballs into space, and it helps set up the next bit of play. So while it's not twenty five, thirty touches, I don't think he's ever going to be that player, but if he can yeah, free other blokes up into space. And to me, he's doing his job. And he still showed courage. He attacked the ball uh, with blokes running at him plenty of times. And I thought he had a good game. And I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing him have three or four games in a row just to see how he settles in. And I think now with the injuries, it's probably the perfect time. And what about Jack Rewalt? He, he Let's be honest, he, he virtually dropped the car or $10,000 or whatever the mark of the year's <laughs> worth. Um, but to follow it up, to have the sense of mind to then get it again and kick the goal was pretty spectacular. Yep, um, uh, I jumped out of my seat when he got up that high. Um, oh, I was ready to just scream when he when he got up. And um, But as you said, you, you see so many um, instances where guys go up for the mark and they drop it and they're just out of the contest. The fact that he recovered and got on the end of a goal was amazing yeah well um he lost um mark of the week back in um against sydney so he's up for goal of the week this week you would assume yeah definitely right up there the other bit of um gameplay that jack did that i was really impressed with and the commentators noted this as well was uh, i think it was the last quarter the ball went inside 50 he overran it and Edwards was following up behind him. He scooped it up and was running into goal. And just to lay that shepherd to give Edwards that five or you know five steps extra so he could settle and kick the goal was a really good thing to do uh, from a team perspective. And the commentators were spot on. In years gone by, he probably would have gone past to try to get the next handball receiver and have the shot himself. So for him to change that mindset, uh, it really does show. And we can all see that it's all about team first football at the moment. It doesn't matter who scores the goals as long as we get them. Yeah, it's also really good seeing one of our leaders um, use that mantra. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because if they don't do it, if the leaders at the top don't do it, then no one else is going to follow suit. So it is a good sign. And speaking of leaders, um, Cochin as well, popping himself down into the back line for periods of the game as well to free up other players, I thought was a really unselfish thing to do as well. Um, And it's probably the first time a lot of us have seen him play there as a secondary position. Usually he always goes forward. So that was an interesting move, but he was just intercepting marks as well. So it seemed to work all right. Yeah, probably a bit of a sign of um, maturity as well. Um, He's he's really developed as a captain. Um, Yeah, I, I, did notice that during the game that he'd gone back because he, as you said, he doesn't often do that. Um, but yeah, I think he, you know, had the sense of mind that uh, we can ice the game here and I'll just drift back here and chop off a few attacks and then wrap up this one. So yeah, it was great. No, it was. He was good. And uh, so that win on Friday night was our 17th consecutive win at the MCG, which is now equaling the record. I know, I know we're not here to talk about the Collingwood game, but the record-breaking game is going to be against the Pies, which is a massive, massive game. Yeah, well, that's a tough ask. Um, the record we equaled was with Melbourne in the 1950s too, wasn't it? Yeah. He went on to win four and five, so that's a good sign. What is it about the MCG, do you reckon, Limo? Why do, why do we play it so much better than everyone else? Given we don't train there or anything like that, what's the point of difference? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm not too sure. I'd actually like to hear what the players say about that because, um, it, yeah, it's... It's a strange one, isn't it? Obviously, the, the crowd helps, um, but not all of those games have been our home games, although you'd, you'd still think that even in an away game, there's a fair contingent of Richmond supporters there. Um, the crowd definitely helps, but it's not as big of an advantage as it is saying like um, the NBA where you've got a, a packed house and it's you know 95% cheering for one team. Um, I think that we're just that the players just seem to enjoy it and um, just the game style that we have in the big open space it just lends itself well to it. Yeah, it's it's amazing how it works. You're right with the NBA comparison; it's a fair call. Even similar to what we had in the prelim against GWS, it was heavily weighted towards us, but that usually doesn't happen in most AFL games. Um, and did either yeah. either of you see the footage from before the game? The players are literally about 30 seconds away from running out into the ground, and Dylan Grimes plays a prank on Rioli, points to the phone and hands it to him. Did anyone see that? Yeah, I did. Um, I was pissing myself laughing at the time. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. like, you're about to go out in front of, what is it, 45, 50,000, whatever it was, to play a huge game, and he's got the frame of mind to play a prank on a teammate. That's just, that, that sums us up, I think, that we don't take... They take football seriously, but not to the nth degree like everyone else does, and I think that's a big part of why we've been so successful recently. Well, yeah, they take it seriously in the moments when we should take it seriously, you know, during the game. And, like, at halftime and beforehand, they joke around, shown in the Sydney game with Higgins and shown this week, so it's a good working environment, at least. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, it's just those little quirky things. It's always funny to see what, what they're going to come up with next. All right, we'll get on to the uh, roast and toast, although when I sent through to the agenda to you both, I've written roast and roast, so <laughs> we'll run with that. That's fine. Uh, Lima, you can go first. What are you roasting? It's an obvious one, um, but I'm going to roast the, the 50-metre penalty rules. Um, I think it's been crap all season. Um, the 50-metre penalties that have been given out for supposedly um, encroaching on the mark. Um, but over the weekend, it must have been something that they told the umpires to be hot on for the, for this round. Um, there was two uh, examples on the Thursday night game against uh, against Sydney, playing against Geelong. 
Um, there was a, two really bad ones in the Suns game, and there was one against the Bulldogs on Saturday night where um, the guy's taken the mark or the free kick's paid or whatever, and the defending player standing on the mark. Um, well, in all of those instances, I didn't even see the umpire give a warning. Um, it was just mark, whistle, you've gone a, a half a step over the mark and bang, 50 metres. Um, it's too harsh, and I think that they need to have a look at whether or not it's affecting the play. Um, in none of those examples, anyone that saw it would know which ones I'm talking about. They, um, It didn't affect the player at all. Um, I think if you're not holding them up or you're not directly, uh, you're not directly um, impacting their ability to play on, then why pay it? Um, just get on with the game. Um, it's football. Um, I absolutely hated it. Yep. The one that I saw, yep. I think Geelong played Sydney, didn't they? That was that game. I, yep. I tweeted, when I saw it, I was outraged straight away. It was the one against Tim Kelly. He was already at the marking contest area when the ball was marked, and as soon as the guy took the ball, he was starting to move out, and they paid it. And I was like, and what you said is spot on. How on earth has that impacted that player from kicking the ball? If it hasn't, then get on with it. It's getting out of hand, and there's gonna they have to change it. The interpretation yeah, um, simply needs to be if it, if it impedes the person trying to kick the ball, pay it. There was also that one with um, Dan Hadbury who was trying to move it out of the way and he still gave it up, which I thought was just stupid. Yeah, that was the one that, that I was mainly on about, the one against Hanbury. It was it was just appalling. And um, the, the Geelong player didn't even know what the 50 was being paid for. Um you know, like he he didn't even know that he'd been impeded, and Hanbury just couldn't believe it. He was actually trying to get out of the way of the runner, um, and the the th- the fact is that the umpires are actively looking to try to pay these frees. Whereas th- things like a fifty meter penalty should only be paid if it's a clear and obvious um, infringement. And yeah, it's just silly. And the fifty meters is too harsh. You know, it, it can bring you um, from def- defending to a you know, a kick away from a goal, and yeah, it's just it's just terrible. But even when you compare those two examples that were absolute howlers, and then you look at what Dustin Martin got away with on Friday night, where he maybe <laughs> he thought the ball was touched, but he held the guy up who marked it and kind of circled him, I guess, before standing on the mark. To me, that should have been an automatic 50, but it wasn't paid. Then you've got these other ones where blokes are, are nowhere near impeding the guy with the ball, and they're getting stung for it. So it's the consistency that's really lacking. That's been the problem all year, though, with umpiring, hasn't it? Consistency. Yeah, absolutely. All right, TJ, you've got a roast as well. What have you got? Yeah, um, I was thinking about doing Rioli for not kicking above the grandfather <laughs> margin, but I thought that was a bit harsh, so I decided <laughs> to go after a local, um, Josh Jenkins. After not showing up in the grand final, in round two, he showed that he could football, especially against Alex Grant, so I was hoping for a decent matchup. But what I saw was he kicked his three goals with pretty much help from the umpires. You friggin' South, you friggin' Swan Hill Bogan. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny hearing the commentators really get up and about when he kicked his goals. And he, he outmarked Rance on one occasion, which was a good contest, and he did that to us in round two, so we know he can do it. But yeah, the other ones were just the, the cheapies from the goal square that he usually gets. Yeah, I think um, Tex Walker's done well to miss your roast there, TJ. Um, <laughs> that was just about one of the worst games I've seen a captain play um, of all time. He he looks a mile off the pace, and he um, yeah he he didn't he looked like he didn't want to be there on Friday night. Can I put this one to oh. you both? Curtly Hampton, two handballs, oh. one ineffective. Is that the worst individual performance by anyone in the history <laughs> of the game? 
have to be up there. I don't know if you guys do much lurking on opposition teams' boards, but um, I had a bit of a, a log onto Adelaide's board after the game on Friday night um, for a bit of a laugh. And, uh, geez, they were calling for halftime delistings over there, and that's a direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> that's not surprising. Some of the crap that they were dishing up... Um, yeah, they're broke. They are mentally shot. In a game where they have to win to keep their final hopes alive, they were with well within reach at three-quarter time. And the commentator said it themselves that it didn't even look like at any stage that they thought they could win that game. They just had no belief whatsoever. Wasn't there? Wasn't Tex trying to pump them up, but no one cared? No, no, no one cared. Yeah, there was an instance over on the, the wing... Um interchange side of the ground where uh, I think it was Grigg got the got the ball and kicked it away and about eight seconds later um, Walker ran over and tried to rough him up a little bit with a bit of a shove after the kick and um, oh God, he, Grigg just turned around and laughed at him. It was just one of the least intimidating things you've ever seen. Well, at least he's picking on a Ruckman this time <laughs> like he was in um, round two. The other thing with Tex, I know you mentioned that incident before when he collided with Paholke in the goal square and, and Alice rushed it through. I sat there raging at the TV because if I was a Richmond defender, I, every one of them should have been up in his face, just absolutely giving it to him because that was just complete bullshit. <laughs> I don't I think felt they we felt didn't... like they needed to. He was a he was a broken man. <laughs> I know, but I really yeah, wanted I think... to break him even more. It was, just, it was already <laughs> enough public humiliation, so there was no point to it, I suppose. Yeah, maybe that I was being slammed by Asprey. Yeah, true. That was a fair tackle. To to make things worse for the Crows, I'm going to toast. Um, we'll say Port Adelaide supporters. So after the game, I had one percent of battery left, and I managed to shoot out this tweet on the Big Footy account before my phone died. All it said was, "Sing along, Crows players. You know the words." I thought, "Oh, the Richmond faith might get a bit of a laugh out of this." Um, <laughs> within a few days, it's up to 190 likes, 17 shares, and majority of those are legitimately Port Adelaide supporters. So some one of them caught hold of it, shared it, and now they're all jumping on board. That that's how much they hate Adelaide. Yeah, they love us now. <laughs> They absolutely yeah. love us. Those poor people popping into our game day thread wishing us luck and all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right on to all the poor people sharing that around. Just something that I thought we wouldn't get very far at all, but no, it's taken off, so that's good. Okay, before we get into the preview of the game against the Giants, we had a couple of um, questions come through on Twitter. So the first one is, this was an obvious one that was always going to come through. As soon as I put the message out, Within 30 seconds, can we get a Tom Lynch update? So, I've talked to Tiger71, and he's posted this as well. Nothing's really changed from it. But for those who didn't have Twitter and saw what I put out, um, or aren't on the big footy board, or didn't read the thread for whatever reason, the latest Tom Lynch update is Tiger71 was out over the weekend with um, at an event with his sources, and he posted this message. But This is a, a direct quote. But from what I've heard and seen... And tonight in scene, it is as close to a done deal as Lynch can be. He will be ours. So Tiger71, who called this back in August, is still adamant that Lynch is going to be ours. And that's based off what he saw and heard as late as last Saturday night. So how does that sit with you guys having Lynch potentially coming over? Well, um, it sits very well with me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to be interesting with the salary cap, but yeah. It seems like a gun. 
obviously a bit to play out still, but it's it's always interesting to see the media jump back and forward about one one day some teams in the in the lead and another day the other teams in the lead and um, our man stuck strong all the way through. So hopefully he's proven correct. There could sure. be a few it's other things coming gets... down the pipeline with him as well. So could be a watch this space for a trade update in the future, depending on what he hears. The other question as well come through from Paul underscore football. Are we worried about the amount of unrestricted free agents that we are yet to sign in our squad? Now, I must admit, I couldn't find the list of who of our players are unrestricted free agents. But what I could find was the players who were only contracted to the end of 2018. So I'll read out this list to you guys and I'll get your thoughts um, where we're at with all these players. So the players who are still yet to sign, Grig, Hawley, Short, Townsend, Miles, Lloyd, Bolton, Conker, Markov, Coriolis, Broad, Moore, Menadju, Drummond, Troll, Stengel, Soldo and Baker. So that list is as of the 21st of June. A fair few good players in there, Limo. Um, obviously, we have to delist a minimum of three players prior to draft day. That's a non-negotiable. But out of that list, who would you be wanting to keep first? Who would your top sort of three or four be? Um, look, you can really make an argument for keeping on every single one of those players. Um, it's definitely a, a good sign of years gone by, a, a change from years gone by where you'd be, um, you know, you'd, you'd have five or six that you'd want delisted. Um, the definite keeps for me, um, short would be number one on the list. Um, get yep. him signed up and get him on a long deal. Um, Hawley and Grigg, I think that they'll both be offered another year at minimum if they still want to play on. Um, yeah, gee, I mean, the the rest are probably more. Um, so, like, thinking more about the younger players, I'd, I'd be going with um, Short, Broad and more. I'd like to see all the, those three given another go for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. TJ, what about yourself? Yeah, I think um, Lemo's list was pretty good there um, because there's a lot of depth players also in that list. Um, but yeah, there's Premiership heroes and that. But I think you would have to give Short and Broad because they've had pretty good season. Um, Grig and Hooley, well, Hooley's been injured, but Grig's been up and down, as shown by the board. Um, same with Townsend. And there's also a lot of depth. So be interesting to see how it plays out. So I suppose when you flip, flip it around then, given we have to get rid of three, who would be the three most likely to go? Keeping in mind that if it's a trade, we can't get a player back in. We have to have three spots available for the draft day. Yeah, that's why I've been a bit stumbled to think about. You would think Drummond, because he hasn't had much um, opportunity this year. Uh, who else? Maybe Miles, because oh. he had his chance and sort of dropped out. Because we tried to shop him, and, uh, well, allegedly tried to shop him and Lloyd around last year, but there was no takers. Yeah, that just seems weird for me because we're hearing, you know, clubs after Miles, clubs after Lloyd, and then no one wanted them. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if both of them are there next year. I, I, I wouldn't be against keeping both of them or keeping at least one of them for depth, um, especially now when you have, like, you know, obviously, um, Graham's gone out, Conker's out. We probably do need a big-bodied midfielder um, at the minute. I think that probably Markov would be the other one that might be in the firing line. He probably needed to. I know he's had an, he had injuries, but um, he probably needed to be putting his hand up this year to be 
thinking that he's going to get a contract next year. It's actually just been brought to my attention via Redhead on the Spreaker chat that Griffo and Hampson have created two spots, which is very true, and I failed to write yeah. that bit down. So that means only one person has to go. So that's a good result. Yeah, that is a good result. Plus the dollars um, that go yeah, with it. Yeah, looking at that. Sorry, yeah, uh, Hampson was obviously on a, a decent sized contract. Griffiths Spiro, he would be on a above average, wouldn't you think? He would have been, I, I suppose, on the basis that he was playing more games and we weren't playing well, so we had to pay someone. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, yeah, uh, that, um, that helps solve that issue if we only have to get rid of one. I mean, it's still going to be hard no matter what, but we'd rather have to try and cut that down by one than three. But I I agree with what you said before, that the priority for me has to be to sign short. I think he's been um, a, a shining light for us this year and taking his game to a whole new level. So I'd be really keen to keep him and broaden more. It has to be those three probably be priority, I reckon. Yeah, um, yep. Liam Baker's been knocking the door down in the reserves as well. He's yeah, been he's playing been really good, good footy there. Yep, yep, he has. And um, I would be surprised if they don't re-sign Soldo as well. Um, uh, obviously, if, if Nank were injured, we'd really struggle for ruck depth. I think we've got Bolter and Coleman Jones that are sort of pinch hitters playing in the VFL, but um, they've obviously put a fair bit of development into Soldo, so I'd be surprised if he wasn't given another year. Yeah, I think he's been going okay, Soldo, every time I've seen him play. Every time I've seen him play, he's injured, so I haven't seen much of him. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll probably speak more about the changes shortly, but we'll kick off the preview for the Round 17 game against GWS. The Giants are coming off a narrow loss to the Eagles by 11 points. They're sitting two points outside of the eight, and if they win, they can go as high as sixth, uh, and we're obviously one game clear on top and looking to extend the gap. Massive game for both clubs in the whole scheme of things, especially coming down to the pointy end of the season. How do you see this one playing out, Limo? Um, I think that it is a bit of a danger game. Um, just the fact that it's that they've still got a lot of talent in their best 22, even though they haven't played great footy this year. Um, I'd, I'd still, I'm not com- confident that we'd go in there and roll them um, that, that easily. Um I think that they're also getting Toby Green back this week, um, which helps the um, goal kicking up forward. Um, having said that, they are coming off a six-day break and coming back from Perth, which definitely helps us. Um, I think we'll get the job done, but I wouldn't be going in there thinking that it's going to be a, um, a gimme. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a Giants poster on our uh, preview thread on the board today. I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but... Uh, we'll just, I asked him about Green and Delidio was the other one that was being thrown up because they both got through a really tough training session. And uh, yeah, I suppose with Green having missed 10 weeks, he was kind of a bit unsure whether they should take the risk or whether they should go through the, the reserves to get that match fitness. I reckon it's a huge ask to put even someone of Green's calibre straight into a side after 10 weeks against a team who's renowned for high pressure. He could just blow up by half-time. That's good, yeah. Yeah, for um, hard decision to make because Green's one of their best players too. Yeah, yeah. and they need to win this game. So, and yeah, just... agree. I think that if they hadn't, um, they're missing Cameron and Patton, and they really need goal kickers. So, if if those two were missing, I I wouldn't think that they'd be rushing him back. But 
um, they need him, and this is pretty much a, a make or break game for their season. So um, if he's if he's fifty percent, I'd say that they're probably going to bring him in. I think that's a win for us, to be honest. And TJ, I'm not sure, I'm sure you remember from the prelim final that Grimes did an absolute number on him every time he's played on him. So I think yes, we, we would probably be safe to say we would expect Grimes to do the job again, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, now with our defenders, I think Broad, was he playing a bit of time on him too in the prelim? It might have rotated a bit, yeah, between him, him yeah. and Grimes. Yeah, but that's, you know, having that weaker forward line obviously helps our defence. I'm more concerned about the midfield with the Giants at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty good uh, clearance team, and that's been one of our weaknesses the last couple of months, to be honest. We're getting sort of... Well, it, it appears like we're getting slaughtered in the middle um, despite us winning games by good margins. So we we do need to get our hands on the footy first, and that's where the Jack Graham injury is going to hurt us the most, I reckon. Just having that another big-bodied midfielder, he's third for pressure in the competition... How, who do we replace him with to make sure we don't lose out on, a, on another big-bodied mid to help try and contain the clearances from the Giants? Well, I was thinking uh, Miles, but he's, is he still out with concussion? Yeah, they say he's got to go through the concussion test this week, so I'm not sure how he would come up for that one. The other one that I was thinking of that could do it is maybe Townsend. Yeah, well, he's, that's his role, why we brought him in for, so yeah. we could see him get some redemption. It would be good. Um, and, Limo, the Giants obviously are a lot quicker with their ball movement than some other teams. How are we going to try and restrict their ball movement? Because they picked us apart in that prelim final in the first half, so we've got to make sure that, that doesn't happen again. Yeah, agree. Looking at that, um, you know, just the, the list of players that they've got running through their midfield, like um, Kennedy, uh, sorry, Kelly, um, Shield, um, Whitfield, are all guys that can really... Um, really blow you away when they're on the game. So um, I think that we, uh, like our defense is it probably our, our strongest part of our game and we just need to um, restrict the, the kicks inside 50 um, and, and try to hit them on the rebound. Because um, without those, without Patton and without Cameron and uh, with Green potentially not being completely fit, um, I think that they're going to struggle to score. Um, and I think that's what will get us over the line. And the other tool they got yeah, is um, we need to make, Yeah, we need to make them um, just bomb it long and set up their clear, you know, um, quick ball movement that they're known for, I think, and that would favour our defence again. Yeah, and that seems to be our one would, isn't it, virtually, that we put enough pressure on their midfielders up the ground that the ball going inside 50 becomes predictable and, and that plays right into our hands. So it be very interesting to see how we go about it, but they've got a, a star-studded midfield, like you said before. You've got Kelly, Cogniglio, Shield, Whitfield, uh, going pretty much head-to-head with Dusty, Koch, Prestia and Lambert. So, going to be a lot of star-studded players running around the midfield, and hopefully we can come out on top. What about uh, Rewalt versus Davis for up our end of the ground? How do you see that matchup going, Limo? Um, well, Jack is playing some probably the best footy that he's played in the last um, five years. Um, I, I like that he he's able to kick goals, but he, he doesn't need to kick goals to have a big impact on the game. Um, I'd probably say that in the air, Davis might have him covered, um, but if he can break away from him and get up on the lead, then um, he'll, he'll go all right. And um, we've got enough guys that are floating up through up forward that even if 
Rewalt doesn't get on the score sheet, I think that we'll still be able to kick a decent score. Um, I wouldn't be against um, Shea Bolton coming in and getting a, a gig this week. We're obviously going to have some forced changes. Um, Butler going out, I think um, Bolton's the obvious replacement for him, and I actually wouldn't mind seeing him getting a go in the midfield, um, not just up forward as, as a goal sneak. Um, he's played well in, in midfield in the, the VFL over the last few weeks, and I actually think that he's he's more of a um, more of a Stephen and Bradley Hill type of player rather than a, a goal sneak, um, and that's what we should be looking to develop him that way um, if he stays, of course. I must admit, I haven't watched much of the VFL recently, but my biggest concern on Bolton was he didn't have the same level of defensive pressure as our other, our other small forwards do. Has that changed a little bit in recent times, has it, with his move to the midfield? Uh, look, I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on any of his um, tackle numbers or anything like that, but um, I know that they have been playing him there and he's been playing well and getting getting more of the ball. So um, I think that we're at a point in the season now where um, you know there's an opportunity... And he was a first-round pick, and he's in good form. So um, why not throw him in there? Um, I think that, yeah, Townsend in is a good shout as well. And I'd probably um, look to, to put Caddy more in the midfield and let, let Townsend play up forward. And TJ, are we just going to assume straight out that Vlosten's straight back in for Broad? Yeah, I would assume so. Um, or even like Garth. But I would assume Vlosten will get the um, first... With that um, Bolton one, I'm not. I'm with you, Michaels. I'm not too convinced with him. I was thinking, you know, if you want a goal sneak like Butler, you would go with a Stengel or someone. Because he he's been in good form as well, yet. hasn't he, in the VFL? He's been yeah. um, got a good goal sense, kicking a few snags. I, I'd like, to, yeah. It's it's really hard. I think whoever brings the best defensive pressure, we should be including because that's kind of our mantra. Yep. Yep. Agree. Yeah, yeah good shout out. I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Stengel get a go either. Yeah, and it's good that we've got options. We're not sort of stuck to just putting whoever's available in. We can actually make a, a calculated decision, which is good. And uh, The other player on the sidelines that sounds like he's ready to go is Hooley. Um, how do we manage to fit him in? Yeah, it's going to be interesting off that halfback. Um, does Ellis play more in the midfield now? Or does he come in for Ellis? I mean, if hypothetically Townsend comes in for Graham to play that role, Stengel or Bolton come in for Butler, then that leaves, and you got Vlosten for Broad, then, yeah, yeah the, the Hooley one would have to be for someone like a Corey Ellis, I guess, unless they... I was talking uh, more Brendan Ellis. Oh, Brendan <laughs> Ellis, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An easy assumption to make, it was Corey based off our board. Um, yes. But yeah, it would have to be for one of them. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can try and slot. Well, I won't say try, because as soon as he's available, they're going to put him in the team, aren't they? Oh, yes, definitely. He's best for me, too. Yep. Hawley's an automatic selection. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if um, Liam Baker gets a call up either. He'd definitely be in the mix. I think he's been named an emergency a few times. Um, so um, he's he, he'd be in the frame for sure. Um, just on... Bolton and Stengel, I just brought up the um, stats from the VFL. Um, Stengel had 18 touches, a goal and six tackles. Bolton had 22 touches, one goal, two and eight tackles. So um, pressure acts I'm not too sure of, but um, it's good to see that, you know, eight tackles, that's that's a good result no matter who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all we, I say, expect, but that's what we want from our small forwards because 
if one of them's not doing it, it really stuffs up the whole formula of that forward line and the pressure it creates. So if everyone's doing it, then I think we're on a win-win with whoever we bring in. All right, before we finish up, we'll get a prediction from both of you guys. So TJ, I'll start with you first. What's your prediction for the game, including margin? Um, Richmond by 37. Ooh, I think 37. That... Goals? Seven, yes, well, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Still got a lid on it, Michaels. No, it's one more point over the final. Okay. Right, okay. <laughs> like, I see where we're heading with this now. Yes. Uh, and, Lemo, what about yourself? Uh, I think we'll get the job done probably by 21 points. Yeah, I think it'll be anywhere between 18 and 25 points. So that's a bit of a broad guess, but... Um, my only concern on the game is if, because they've got obviously a few good players out, if we go up there sort of thinking it's just going to happen, if the guys aren't switched on, they'll definitely jump us and potentially win. So, because there's a bit on the line for them. But if we turn up and play the way we've been playing the last few weeks, there's no reason why we can't win this game and, uh, and, and hold our spot on top of the ladder, which we would do if we lost, but it'd be good to create a bit of separation. Yeah, we're only in it now to create breathing space from the rest of the comp. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Just out of interest from both of you, would you rather finish first and have that added pressure? Or like, do you think the guys will be fine and can cope with it? Or would you rather finish second and still get the home final, but not the pressure of being at the top of the ladder? Yeah, well, I've been thinking about this recently because we saw what happened to the Crows last year with coming first. But, you know, they seemed a bit cocky last year, especially when they were in the grand final parade and stuff. So, and I haven't seen that from our boys yet, so it'll be interesting, but I think finish first, need to get that trophy, or what, what's that trophy that they call when um, you come first? I forget now. Like we're rich with the supporters, close... we're not used to trying to work out who gets a trophy for coming first. Yeah, the Crows fans were really um, really happy with that last year. Were they? Um, oh, we'll, we'll take the one that you get yeah. at the end of September instead. Yeah, we'll take both if we can, actually. And Lemi, what about yourself? What's your sort of thoughts on the finishing first versus finishing second? Um, I, I'd like to see us finish first, um, for sure. Um, it doesn't really make much difference. I suppose we're still going to be playing at the MCG, but um, I just think it would be a nice um, get stuff to the rest of the comp to finish first and do it easy. Fair enough. No, that all sounds good. And just a reminder, the game is on Saturday the 14th of July at 7.25pm, um, playing at GWS. So, Limo and TJASTA, thank you so much for your time, guys, and until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Thanks for having us, mate. No worries. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!